Amen. You can be seated. Hit a button. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hi there. I am one. Okay. So if you are brave enough tonight, if you're brave enough, take a drive. Yeah. <laughs> take a drive between about 9.30 and about 11. And just try to go around the park. Just take that mile section right there. Go downtown, do it. I did it last year. I was in a war zone. I mean, I thought I was going, <laughs> I mean, it is nuts. I've never seen anything like it. And so please, please, everybody stay safe out there. Glenn Parton, you and your group. I've heard of what goes on in your yard. Your, you guys stay safe. All right, over the past few months, over the past few months, we have been engaged in the quest to discover the qualities of becoming great as a servant. We've looked at sacrifice, we've looked at empathy, we've looked at relationship values, and our last one tonight, our last one today is empower. And I'm sure most of you have probably already put the puzzle together on these, on these lessons. If you haven't noticed, these five characteristics are elements in an acrostic for the word serve. Here it is, look, at, look on the screen. Sacrifice, empathy, relationships, values, and empower. They all come out with the word serve. It's a good way to remember this word. Each one of these characteristics is an element needed in becoming great as a servant. As I said, and as I've said every week, this series is not about doing, but about becoming. It's about a state of mind in which leads us to practice these attributes of being a great servant. And our key verse that we've used through this whole series has been Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. So let's read that. And remember, let me, let me kind of set it up. Remember what's happening right before this passage of Scripture. It is following an argument between the apostles as to who gets the power seats when Jesus gets to come into his kingdom. 
And that's what this is. is. So let's re read this. Here it is. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, as we learned last week, as we learned last week, Jesus asked his disciples to walk away from everything so that they could gain something of greater value. And Jesus is still asking all of us, his disciples, to walk away from everything to gain something of greater value. In other words, all of us, as we know, are supposed to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We're supposed to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. But what's the problem with the living sacrifice? And all of us know this, because every single one of us have done this, is that living sacrifices crawl off the altar. They crawl off the altar, don't we? Many times we crawl off the altar. And listen, listen, there's no condemnation here. There's no judgment here because every single one of us are in the same boat when it comes to this. There are always moments of weakness. There's moments of fear and anxiety in our lives. There's moments of selfishness and moments of sin in our lives. We have all crawled off the altar at one time or another in our lives. And there may be some today who are here that are, have also crawled off the altar and you're not back on yet. And with the confidence, listen, listen, with the confidence that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we crawl to the throne of grace and we ask for His mercy and we ask for His forgiveness and we ask for His grace in that time of our need. This is a hope we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. God keeps, here's what God does, God keeps putting us back on the altar over and over and over again. Unlimited times if necessary. His grace and forgiveness are amazing. Not only are they amazing, there's something that each of us have in our own lives, and we have experienced this. And I can't fathom. I, it, just, it just blows my mind to fathom the unbelievable love that God has for each and every one of us, right? It's an amazing thing. Now, I wish I could spend a whole sermon just on that, but we don't have time. So let's get back to our point on empower. And let me give you my definition of this word empower. Empower is the authority given to be bold in Christ. Empower is the authority given to be bold in Christ. When we come to Christ, brothers and sisters, something remarkable happens. Something remarkable happens when we come to Him. The Helper the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. Remember Acts chapter 2, verse 38? It says this, 
Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus' ascension, after his ascension, Jesus did not leave us as orphans. He did not leave his disciples as orphans. He empowered them with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and he placed it with inside of us to guide us, to comfort us, to be our advocate, to be our helper. All right, let me throw out a statement. Let me throw out a statement. Let's just see if you agree with this statement or not. Each of us have been, have been given power from on high, the Holy Spirit. How many of you agree with that statement? Okay. Each of us have been given that power from on high, from on high, the Holy Spirit. We've been given, it's been given to us. It's been given to us for the building up of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Okay, so all of us who have been called by Christ, by God, and put our faith in Him, we have been given this power of the Spirit within our lives. It resides within us. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel it? Do, do you feel the Spirit? Do you, do you see the Spirit working in your lives? Do you recognize its promptings in your heart? Do you recognize the gifts He has given you? Do you understand this presence in your life? Some of you are probably thinking right now, or probably I'm just a little nervous right now, just a little nervous. Anytime a preacher begins speaking, about the Spirit and the mystery of His working, I get a little nervous. There's this twinge with inside of me. And the twinge is there. The twinge is there because, and you write this down, because what, often, what is often mysterious makes us uneasy. What is often mysterious makes us uneasy. And instead of leaning in to the uneasiness and leaning in and trying to understand and trying to learn, we often refute this amazing gift which resides within us. The Spirit of God, our counselor, our helper, our teacher, our advocate, our friend, our comforter lives within inside each of us to assist us on our journey of faith. And not only is the Spirit there to assist us in our journey, but the Spirit brings power to each one of us in the form of gifts that He gives us. Each one of us have been given gifts to build up the kingdom of God, Christ church. God has appointed, apportioned each of us gifts. And we're here to participate with God in the building of His kingdom. His kingdom. So, do we get that? Do we understand that? Do, do we understand that you and I, each, each, everybody here, everybody here has been assigned gifts. 
We have been empowered by the Spirit of God to build up the body of Christ in each one of us. Okay, so what Jet read to us, and I didn't realize there was a lot of big words in that. Jet did fantastic, didn't he? That was awesome. So, let's read this again. Here we go. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God. It's interesting, Spirit, Lord, God, the oneness of God, who empowers them all in everyone. Did you get that? Who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Drop down to verse 11, it says this. All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Okay, in other words, we, you, me, us, all of us have been empowered by the Spirit, which lives inside of us for the common good. And get this, listen, none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. Why? Because each has been chosen for a particular work in His kingdom. We who are made in the image of God and saved by His grace, we have been empowered to do our part in building His kingdom. We are empowered to do our part. That word empowered, that word empowered on the screen, that word empowered is the word inegro, which it actually is a Greek word which we get our word energy from. In fact, they're almost spelt exactly the same. Paul says that God is placing energy within inside of us for the common good. And none of his children are left out. None of his children are left out. God apportions to each as he wills. And God expects his gifts that he gives you to be used for his kingdom glory. For his glory. And here's something I'd like you to know about Lakehoma. Okay? Listen to this. You don't need our permission to do good. You do not need our permission here at Lake Homa to do good. As Jesus' followers, we've been empowered with the Spirit to do good, to serve, to connect, and to love. And you don't have to ask us for permission to go out and do good. Now, if it comes with having to do something at the building or money or whatever, yes, you'll need permission for that. But other than that, you can do anything because you have the Spirit with inside of you. But know this, know this. The elders here, they're not, they're not the ones who you will ultimately answer to about the gifts that God has given you, that the Spirit has given you. This empowerment this empowerment that you have received comes from a place way beyond the leadership here at Lake Homa. These gifts are yours to be used. So, 
Go use these gifts for God's glory. Go use these gifts for God's glory. And here's what I hear from the sidelines sometimes, a lot of times. But I don't know my gifts. I don't know my gifts. And we use this as an excuse for our inactivity, for our inactivity. All right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Here's a question for everybody. What could you do today? What could you do today that would brighten the eyes of another? What could you do? Listen, listen. What could you do with the gifts that God has given you that would brighten the eyes of the one? Brighten the eyes of the one. How could you do this so that other people could see joy by what you could do with the gifts that God has given you? Is God going to stretch you in these moments where I don't know if I could do that, of uncertainty and adequacy? Absolutely, He's going to be there with you. He's going to stretch you. Will God place us in situations sometimes that will be challenging? I hope so. I hope so, and here's the reason why. When God stretches us beyond our comfort zone, He is doing so so we rely on His power and not our own. We rely on His power and not our own. If we only do what we are comfortable in doing, many of us will never reach our full potential in Jesus Christ. We will never be fully formed into the image of Christ. Okay, so my, my natural bent, just my natural bent, is as a builder. I love church work. I love everything about it. I'm in my element because that's who I am. I'm a builder, but I'm not, and this is a confession, I'm not a comforter every time. Every time I go to the hospital or sit with the family who is grieving in the car over there, while I am walking in, I am pleading with God to give me the words that would bring comfort to those in that room. Why? This is not my natural bent. But God continues to place me in those situations time and time again. So is this a gift that God has apportioned me? Yes. Is it my strongest gift? No, not even close. It's not even close. So why does God, so why does God continue to place me in those hospital rooms, in those, those rooms, in those homes of people who have lost loved ones? Well, James, you're a minister. You signed up for this. No, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And so I rely on His power and not my own. So I will boast in His glory and not myself. When those situations go well, and many of them do, I know for certain, I know for certain that it was not my doing. I had help. I had a lot of help. A lot of help. Most of us recognize very early in our lives, if I'm going to be a servant of Christ, 
and do what He's called me to do. I'm going to need a strength outside myself to facilitate the work God has given me. And even after, even after 40 years of ministry, 40 years of ministry, I still feel inadequate as a minister in many areas. But, but one who recognizes that I have been empowered by the Spirit of God which lives in me. And is anybody perfect in here with this? No. No. And that's great. Why? Because if we were all perfect, we wouldn't need the Spirit and we wouldn't need God. Embedded in that word empower, embedded in that word empower are three crucial elements. Conviction, urgency, and courage, which translate into the word boldness. We'll be looking at the first one, conviction, and those other two we're going to touch just really briefly. And brothers and sisters, listen, all of us are capable of possessing boldness. We are all capable of possessing boldness. The problem for most of us, the problem for most of us, we don't believe in the promises of God. We don't. Because if we did, we'd be a lot more bold. All right, listen to this. Listen to this from Paul. For I am assured, this is, these are the promise, this is a great promise. For I am assured that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise. If all this stuff happens, I know the promise is, is that His love for me will never separate. All right, here's another one from Paul, Ephesians 3. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So here's my question. Are we, are we convinced that Jesus is who He says He is? I mean, in our hearts. Or in our hearts, are we convinced that Jesus is who He says He is? Are we convicted that the power of the Spirit resides in us? And this is that first element of, of empower, conviction, a firmly held belief. In other words, in other words, do I believe that what I believe is really real. Because if I believe that what I believe is really real, then I'll act. I'll act. Now, brothers and sisters, listen, we're not the first to doubt, and we're not the first to be scared on this. That came a long time ago. Remember Jesus when He stood before His apostles and all those, those that were in that room, and the room was locked, and guess what? Jesus just shows up. He just shows up. And what was their reaction? Like, <gasps> they were frightened. They were frightened. Listen to Luke's account. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? 
that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? What did Jesus do to leave their doubt? He gave them evidence of his bodily resurrection. He said, look at me, touch me, see me, see my scars, give me something to eat. I am real. I have risen. And after his ascension, after his ascension, after he goes up into heaven and they look at him, the Holy Spirit comes upon all those believers, those 120 people that are in that upper room, that are in that room, and they're waiting on Jesus, and there's 120 people up there, and the Spirit of God comes to them and in them and on them. And those gathered on that room on the day of Pentecost were emboldened to act. They couldn't help but act. They couldn't help but move and speak about Jesus. And even though, and even though we know all of this, when it comes to our boldness, we often leave our fears unchecked. We often leave our fears unchecked. We don't check out those fears that we have. And you know, we talk about being bold. We read stories about others who are bold. We'll be in our life groups and we will discuss about being bold. But when it comes right down to it, we often remain timid. We often remain timid. And we know why. We know why. It's the Scriptures. It says this. This is what Paul says in Galatians 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the desires of the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. Listen, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's that conflict with inside of us, each and every one of us. We know Satan is out there placing doubts in all of our hearts and minds. And then Paul goes on. He says this in 2 Timothy. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Okay, so remember, remember, it's not my goal to make anyone feel guilty. Because when it comes to this area, most of us already feel guilty enough, don't we? We know we're supposed to be bold. But we have a difficult time putting boldness into practice. We have a difficult time speaking to others about our faith in Jesus Christ. It's difficult to do that. And for many, for many, it may really not be our fault. We were taught, I was taught, to address others in such a way which made me afraid to be bold. It made me afraid to be bold to speak about my faith. 
See, I was taught that we had to tie our faith to our heritage and not to Jesus. Let me say that again. I was taught that we tied our faith to our heritage and not to Jesus. We were taught, I was taught, to defend the doctrinal distinctives instead of teaching others about Jesus. And I can tell you from experience, because I've tried it, doctrinal distinctives divide what Jesus unites. And you may say, James, wow, you, you have done it this time. You've gone off the deep end. Have I? Be honest. Be honest. How many of us are timid when it comes to sharing our faith for this very reason? I am. It never results in unity around Jesus. We argue about why we do this and why we do that and why we don't do this and why we don't do that instead of focusing on the common ground of being formed into the image of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, listen, listen, this doesn't let us off the hook as far as sharing our faith. Are we to speak about Jesus with boldness? Yes. Are we to speak about loving God and loving one another with boldness? Yes. Are we to speak about treating all people with dignity and respect? Yes. Why? Because Jesus spoke about these things. Are we to speak about worship? Yes. Why? Because Jesus spoke about worship. Worship me in spirit and in truth. Are we to speak about baptism? Absolutely. Because Jesus talked about it. He was baptized himself, and he talked about making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was his command. And there is much more that Jesus spoke about. Brothers and sisters, there is no fear. There is no fear when we are speaking the very words of our Savior. There is only boldness. We can spend a lifetime speaking to others and sharing words of Jesus and be assured that we are speaking the truth. Why? Because Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. No one. It is Jesus who saves. It is Jesus who saves. When we stick to this message, there is no fear but boldness. Now, am I opposed to our doctrinal distinctives? No, not at all. Absolutely not. I love this fellowship, but the power of the gospel does not hinge on our doctrinal distinctives. It is Christ who empowers us through His Spirit who is in us. Does He not? And with the power of the Spirit, we move. We move. And this is the urgency that many of us feel inside of us. And with the Spirit in His presence, it gives us courage to speak about Jesus. It was Paul, it was Paul who uttered these words as a minister of the gospel. And one, these words are also some of my words that I use as a minister of the gospel and my calling. Listen to this very closely. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. For your sake. In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, for the sake of the church, 
of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known, the mystery hidden. Okay, so make the Word of God fully known and make the mystery. What is this mystery? What is this mystery? All right, we go on. For ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. So now this mystery has been revealed to the saints. What is the mystery hidden, which is now fully known to the saints, to them? God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Again, what is the mystery now revealed to the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say the next three words with me. Here we go. Ready? Say them with me. Him we proclaim. What did Paul say? Him we proclaim. One more time. Say it with me. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Paul wants us to know the mystery hidden from ages past is revealed in Jesus. It is Jesus who is the point. It is Jesus who, for which all of us will be measured. Jesus is the reason we work and we struggle. Here's the last verse, verse 29. For this I toil, Paul says. For this I work with struggling with all the energy that is within me powerfully works within me. It is Jesus who gives us the energy. This word energy here, in this case, it's, it's the word for which we get dynamite. Dynamite. Christ energy, that power, that dynamite power is at work in all of us. This is the message of Jesus. And this is our message too. We are empowered with the Spirit of God to speak the very words of Jesus because His words have power, everlasting power. We have been empowered by the authority of Jesus, and we can't help but be bold. Do we want and desire to be better servants of Christ? Yes, I believe every single one of us do. So what if, what if, what if, what if everyone here this week, this week, had a conversation with someone about Jesus? What if, what if we brought up spiritual conversations and turned them all back around and brought them back to Jesus? Could we do that could we let the powerful words of Jesus speak for us? Do you think it would make a difference in our conversations and allow us to be bolder in our faith? I believe it absolutely would. All right, I'll leave you with this encouragement. It's the encouragement I've given you each week. Go do for the one what you wish you could do for the many.